Welcome to the HR Stories Podcast, where there is a lesson in every story. If we listen well, stories help us learn and teach us ways to act. Each year, John Tallheimer and Chuck Smithian deliver thousands of seminars around the country to business owners, executives, and HR professionals, discussing the fundamentals of human resources, best legal practices, and risk reduction activities for organizations. This podcast allows us to dig deep into the human resources experience and see where businesses go wrong. Each episode, we share a different story where a company missed the mark, and then we'll provide recommendation based on our years of working in the human resources field. Sit back, listen, learn, and act. Welcome to the HR Stories Podcast, where there is a lesson in every story. I'm John Tallheimer. And I'm Chuck Simikian. So, John, what is the story today? Well, you know, we all want to be treated equally at work. And that goes for the 6 million individuals with disability. However, many organizations, either intentionally or unintentionally, do not give people with disability the same opportunities as those without disabilities. Hmm. This is one such story. So before we introduce our main character, I want to talk to you about the importance of meetings at our organizations. Now I know we all hate meetings, and we'll make any excuse not to go. But they are really important. We have to serve a place to share information, we discuss changes in policies, and we get to work, we get work done in our meetings. And so I think the meeting, I know we all get this frustration with meetings, and poorly run meetings can be a problem. But when we have good run, well-run meetings, I think they're really important to organizations. So imagine that you attend a meeting in your office and you cannot understand what is being said. What do you, you mean not understand? Like like, I mean, I go to a lot of meetings, and I have no idea what they're saying and why I'm here. So, yeah, well, so let's say, you're go to, let's say you go to a meeting, and that meeting is in a language you don't understand. Okay. Right? And so you go to that meeting, and now you're sitting in there. I've had friends that have worked internationally, and they would go to staff meetings, and they would not know what was being said, right? And so this is, that's what our story is about. Our main character, Maurice, Maurice Ciento, uh, he worked in a payroll division of the accounting department at UPS facility. One of the requirements of the job was to attend all weekly and monthly staff meetings. And at those staff meetings, typical business information was discussed, including changes to employee benefits, quarterly earnings, vacation and holiday schedules, new human resources rules, safety regulations, and so on and so on. Information, Santino needed to do his job. But Santino could not understand anything being said in the meeting. He was deaf from birth, and his primary language is the American Sign Language. And so American Sign Language is completely separate and distinct from English. It has its own rules of pronunciation, word formation, word order. A person whose primary language is ACL may find speaking, reading, or writing English difficult. Imagine yourself trying to operate in a country again where you can't speak the language. Right. Right. And so his managers and supervisors were totally aware of this primary language was ACL. And he only had a fourth grade grasp of the English language. So no one in, in this story disputes that Centineo was doing a good job as a payroll accountant. No one. The concern here was whether UPS provided Centineo reasonable accommodations for certain benefits and privileges, privileges of employment. 
benefits and privileges. Okay, so he's doing a great job, and I certainly understand the language. So what you're what you're saying is, uh, my language is English, my language is French, my language is Spanish, my language is Japanese, my language is American Sign Language. So if you look at it that way, I get it. I get it. But when you say benefits and privileges, I think I know what you're talking about and where you're going here, but continue. Yeah. So let me give you the definition that the EEOC use around the ADA, right? And so the ADA is the American Disability Act. It requires employers to provide reasonable accommodations so that the employees with disabilities can enjoy the benefits and privileges of employment equal to those enjoyed by similarly situated employees without disability. Ah, so, yes. Right. Right. And so benefits and privileges can be training. They can be services such as employee system program, credit units, cafeteria, lounges, gymnasium, auditorium, transportation, parties or social functions. Yeah. People don't think about that, but that is covered under the ADA. And now right. I... I can think of a few examples, but I want to hear more about the story. Yeah, so so meetings fit under this rule of benefits and privileges. Absolutely. And so in this case, UPS agreed that the meetings are included under the phrase benefits and privilege of employment. They didn't say, oh, that's not true. They didn't argue that in court. What hmm. they argued was that the accommodations that they were providing were adequate. So UPS primary accommodation was written notes in English. So at first, the supervisor would recap the meeting from memory and send the document to Centennial via email. Centennial expressed concern because he could not par participate in real time in the conversation. He asked for and was denied the use of an ACL, ASL interpreter for the meetings he attended. Hearing his concern, UPS tried providing him with a contemporaneous record of the meeting. Basically, one of his coworkers would write out what was being said in the meeting. Now, can you imagine in the meeting having somebody write out and trying to keep up? Now, I used to, I was, a, uh, I was on a board and I was the secretary of the board. And I remember trying to keep up with everything what everyone was saying and it just became this mess. Right. Um, right. And so they tried to do that, but Centineo said he could not understand what was going on, became very frustrated. So can I ask you a, a question? So sure. what I hear you saying is UPS is providing an accommodation, which they were supposed to do. They knew that they had to provide an accommodation, but the employee was saying, look, this accommodation is not working. So it sounds like UPS then doubled down on the same accommodation. Say, we're going to give you more of what's not working. Yeah, basically, well, basically they tried to get it so that somebody was interpreting what was saying and then putting it in writing. Um, and so they were working through that, right? But look, the coworker's handwriting was a problem, how fast he wrote, what he paid attention to, what they didn't pay attention to. So what UPS did is they finally did approve an ASL interpreter for monthly meetings, but not the weekly staff meetings. And again, the supervisor started sending his recaps of the meetings to Centineo. So in frustration, Satinio said, you know what? I'm just not going to the weekly meetings. And it was ended up being written up for insubordination. So outside of the meetings, like he was still doing a job and getting his job done, but there was inconsistency on how Centineo was accommodated. For some conversation, he was provided an ASL interpreter and others he was not. 
In one instance, he was being disciplined for a dispute with a coworker. His manager and HR asked him if he understood the documentation. He said no. They asked him, I love this part, they asked him to circle the words he didn't understand and handed him the dictionary. Now, could you imagine? All right, so think, let's say, I don't know what languages you speak. Are you making this up? I mean, seriously. I am not making this up. You've got to be making this up. I am okay. not making this up, right? And so think about this, right? Think about, let's say you, uh, you don't speak French. And so somebody, you're in a staff meeting, and they're giving you an interpretation. <laughs> they give you a document in French, and you say, do you understand that? And you're like, no. And then they're like, well, circle the words you don't understand. And then they hand you a French to English dictionary. Oh, for goodness sakes. Right? Okay. And so that's basically what was happening in this case. So finally, 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 he got so frustrated that he was not receiving a reasonable accommodation for the certain benefits and privileges of employment, he went to this EEOC. The EEOC came in, investigated, and filed a complaint alleging UPS engaged in unlawful employment practices that failed to reasonably accommodate Centino's of deafness. So... I think for our listeners, Chuck, I want to go back and make sure they understand what the ADA is, or as we like to say, the ADAAA. Right? So what is the ADA? Sure. Very simply, it is the Americans with Disabil for Disabilities Act, or Americans with Disabilities Act. And it requires employers to provide reasonable accommodations. And it sounds to me like UPS was there, but not all the way, because it does require employers to engage in what's called the interactive process, where you come up with an accommodation, you work it out mutually with the employee, and then you try that accommodation. But the, the one thing that that, and I have to say, it doesn't require them to follow the interactive process, but it is highly, highly suggested. Mm -hmm. But the biggest part of that is the evaluation process where everyone should be getting back together and say, is this accommodation working? Yeah, and, and I think... It sounds I like think, they missed that here. Yeah, and I think in the interactive process, right, the first thing we always look at is, are we recognizing the accommodation? Are they recognizing that accommodation? And I think they were. I think they recognized that he needed accommodation. Where I think they got misled or didn't understand was that the ASL, American Sign Language, was a completely separate language where he couldn't understand the written word. And so I think that was it. Um, and so that phrase, certain benefits and privileges employment, how does that play out in this story? How do, have you seen it play out in other stories? Sure. We would do annual benefits enrollment. And we would always have to have at least one class with a sign language interpreter. I mean, heck, we would do PowerPoints. We would hand out information. But when we came down to the presentation and actually having, and I worked in hotels, we always had you know, hearing impaired deaf employees. So very familiar with how this works. If you were to take that beyond that particular disability, for example, 
you have to still provide if you're going to have a party. Let's say you're going to have a party, but it's at a really cool place that's on the second floor of this building with a fantastic view of the city. And oh, by the way, there's no elevator, but three of your employees are in wheelchairs and they can't enjoy the party then there's a concern and you can't be an accommodation saying, well, I'll tell you what, we'll get you guys an umbrella and a little table and some streamers, put it downstairs in the hallway at the bottom of the staircase and you can have your own party. So <laughs> that, is, <clears throat> that, is, that is a an extreme example of what we're looking at. But anything, training, uh, any type of services that, that you offer, if you have a situation where uh, you have to discipline or coach or performance evaluation one of your hearing impaired employees, you have to bring in the interpreter, especially if they uh, request it. And you can't run interference and say, you don't really need that. So, yeah. Yeah. And then in this story, it got in with that whole dispute is the one time he showed up, they had an interpreter. And then the next time they didn't and they gave him the form and he couldn't read it. And so a lot of times during... Uh, his tenure at UPS, they would literally hand him a dictionary and say, well, read, what words don't you understand? And so again, understanding that the American Sign Language is in there. And so Chuck, what's essential? What are, the, what are the essential takeaways when it comes to Americans with disability? What should I be paying attention to in my organization? What are some of the things I should be paying attention to? Well, uh, you need to definitely be paying attention to your job descriptions, uh, the essential job functions, and you need to be very, very sensitive to anyone that has an accommodation. And if they say it's not working, or if you notice that it's not working, you need to be sensitive to have those conversations with that employee. Uh, you also have to be sensitive to the fact that they may not know the word accommodations. They may not realize uh, that they have to request something. And it may just be a general conversation where they're saying, hey, I can't understand some, I can't do something, I can't fit through this door. Uh, my, uh, you know, I have a back injury, I have a neck injury, it's, it's, it's limiting, I have a a, a situation, maybe it's an illness. And if they say these things and it's stopping them from enjoying the benefits and the privileges of employment, then you have to think, hmm, maybe that's an ADA request. Okay. So let's say I'm a small organization. I have 17 employees because the ADA, right? It's 15 and above. Is that correct? Right? 15 and above yes. employees. All right. So let's say I have 20 employees, uh, not a big budget, small budget company. Is there anything protecting me? Is there anything that I could look at to say, you know what, this is going to be an undue hardship on me? Sure, sure. It's called uh, the undue hardship. Oh, <laughs> but, <look at> that. <laughs> but it would have to, to be a burden to the employer. It would have to be cost prohibitive. It, there's, there's, a whole, there's a number of factors you have to be uh, aware of. So, yeah, you could say bringing in a, a sign language interpreter at whatever they're charging, $40, $50, $100 an hour for these meetings, once a week, once a month, I can't afford that. And if you're going to take that approach, you better be willing to 
to show an investigator why you can't afford that. But for the most part, especially when it comes to sign language interpreters, you have to, um, you, you have to provide that. That's, that's a key, key aspect. Yeah, and one of the things that when you look at the case study um, that UPS said was, look, if we hire a American Sign Language or interpreter for our staff meeting that lasts an hour, we need to pay them for two hours. Um, and so they were sort of saying, well, that's an undue hardship for us to have to pay once a week for two hours when really we only needed them for a week. I got to say, that doesn't seem to me like an undue hardship <laughs> to somebody, you know, to an organization like UPS. Right. Now, if it was a smaller organization, I may see that. But a big organization like UPS, I don't think would have that situation. Yeah. And if I could just point out one thing, this doesn't mean that the accommodation that we're providing wouldn't work for another situation. So I've been in situations where writing back and forth, you know, uh, I've had deaf hearing impaired employees come to my office to make a complaint and I would ask, do you want me to get an interpreter in? And they would say no. And they would write out and we would communicate back and forth via written notes. So once again, it all depends on the situation. Every employer needs to evaluate every situation um, as if it's a, a new and, and different situation for every employee. Yeah, and I think what's been really useful for me is I use askjan.org a lot. Uh, so right. www.askjan.org is a wonderful website where you can go in and go, hey, this is the disability that they're saying that they have. Um, and then you can see what possible accommodations you can make, which I, I just is a wonderful sort of sets my mind at ease that I am doing best practices when it comes to it. Absolutely. And I know we could talk forever about a, a variety of disabilities, but yep. focusing back on, on this again, uh, the training, the services, the party, the social functions, the, the privileges of employment, what ended up happening with this employee? How yeah, this good question, out? right? And so at first, UPS actually won the case. Ooh. You know, they came in and they said, look, this is why we're, it's, not a, it's an undue hardship for us to have to do this, blah, 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 blah. So um, EEOC appealed. And so they went up to the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals. And so they not only reversed the lower court ruling, but also held that the employers must provide reasonable accommodations to employees with disability, even if the accommodations are only for benefits and privilege, such as staff meetings that are not essential functions of the job. Interesting. Yeah, and so that's a big one, huh. right? I mean, yeah. I think that's a big one that we have to get away from. Okay, well, they, they're doing the essential work, everything, da, da, da. Hey, oh, by the way, this isn't there. So what the Ninth Circuit said was that those staff meetings were an essential function of their job, right? And exactly. they had to do that. And so that's what it became really important. But I still think under the benefits and privileges, uh, I think your example of the staff parties, or even your cafeteria, you need to think about those things and make sure that those individuals in the community, your community, your, your workplace, have the same benefits and privileges as other people as well. Excellent, all right. And so just to go on, right, because I think we always talk about this, but I really wanted to kind of define the things 
that the UPS had to do based on this uh, three-year consent decree. Oh, three years. Let me hear it. Okay, so there's five, six things. Designate an ADA coordinator to review and revise policies with respect to reasonable accommodations. Ensure that deaf or hard of hearing employees understand their rights to receive effective accommodations and do receive them, right? And so that was something you're talking about. Maybe they don't understand what's being said and so they don't know, right? right. So taking it to a different level. Engage in the interactive process with employees who request accommodations, including face-to-face -face meetings to discuss potential accommodations. Provide prompt and thorough investigation of complaints of disability discrimination and or retaliation. Con conduct live sensitivity training on how to accommodate deaf and hard to hear individuals for all supervisors and managers with enhanced training for those in human resources and occupational health departments. Create and maintain an accommodation log to track the handle and accommodations request. And finally, post a notice of consent decree at each of their facilities. Holy heck. Well, I got to tell you, yeah. all they had to do was just provide the interpreter and be done with it. But now... They've learned their lesson. Yeah, right. And, and, and I think one of the things that I think you and I both believe in is that we can learn from other people's stories. Exactly. Right. We can learn there. And so, okay. So, Chuck, I'm going to ask you, HR directors, what should they be doing? What are some of the things that I should be doing when I, after I hear this, what should I be doing? Well, <laughs> the first thing you need to do is educate yourself. I would go to askjan.org. I would educate myself on what I, you know, what I need to do. If in case you're hearing this story for the first time and you're like, ah, I just don't get it. I, I never heard this before. You need to go further and educate yourself. Tangibly, you're going to want to do a job description audit to make sure they are compatible with ADA. I would say, you know, create an interactive process format so that you, your HR folks, your management team, they all know what to do when they get a request. You create a process, you keep it consistent, and you document it. And once again, stories like this, there are a lot of stories out there, folks. That's why we love HR Stories podcasts. So in doing interactive exercises, having discussions, it's one of those situations, John, where it's not time spent, it's time invested when you do oh, these things. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, and so my final words for the day is really, it's not only you, right? It's not only you, the listener going, okay, I got it. I hear what you're saying. It makes perfect sense to me. But how do you take that back to your organization to make sure that your managers, your executive team, your employees understand ADA, and particularly in this case, the benefits and privileges of that? And so if you have a safety team, are they looking at these things to go, oh, gosh, well, I need to think about accommodating these individuals in my workplace? And so it's not just about us. We need to make sure the whole organization is willing to say, hey, ADA is there. Right. You know, I was thinking uh, even safety team, let's say you create an office and a lot of companies create offices out of old storage closets for someone. And if there's not the fire alarm with the strobe in that office or they can't see that strobe, they shut their door 
they can't hear the alarm, they can't see the strobe going off, then that is not a great situation to be in. So that's a, that's a good point. That's a good point. Yeah. Okay. So what are your final words? My final words, you know, listen to these stories, uh, follow our guidance and move forward. You've got to protect your company and you've got to do the right thing. So this is a, this is an example today of not only just protecting your company, but it's doing the right thing. What are your final thoughts? Um, yeah. So just kind of sum it up. I, I think as I walk away from, as I did this story, I have to say, throw out my honesty here, is that I was surprised about the whole benefits and privilege mm. of employment. I, you know, because I was reading this story and I'm like, but he can do his job well. They're accommodating him in his job. So why, why is this a problem? Um, and so I didn't know. Right. And so as you investigate and you learn, I think one of the things we're always doing, we're always learning. And so this was new to me. Um, and I'm really glad that we had this opportunity to do this story. John, this is a great story today. And the reason it's a great one is because it brings to light an aspect that many employers aren't aware of when it comes to the ADA. So thanks for bringing it to all of our attentions. Oh, you're welcome. And everyone, thank you for listening. Remember, there is a lesson in every story. Thank you for listening to HR Stories Podcast. The material presented in this podcast is for informational purposes only. Chuck and John always recommend using the employment lawyer to handle any legal HR issues. We do our best to double-check sources and make sure the information we are providing is accurate. We may eliminate or embellish without changing the basic narrative to make the story easier to understand. In certain circumstances, we may change in identifying information to protect the innocent. If you have any questions, please reach out, reach out to us at help at hrstoriespodcast.com. Thank you for listening to the HR Stories Podcast, where there is a lesson in every story.